Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai, it's Sarah Hendy here with you until half past six this evening. Tonight we'll be talking to newly appointed member of the Arts Council, artist Jade Boylan and Paul Allen, head of the Centre for Alternative Technologies Zero Carbon Project, discusses the British movement harnessing the power of creativity in these times of climate emergency. If you missed anything this evening or you can't stay with us till half past six, you can find the full programme as a podcast for free at manxradio.com. You can download or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. First this evening, we welcome artist Jade Boylan, who was recently appointed as the new member of the Isle of Man Arts Council. Jade, congratulations on your new role. You've been with the council for, is it just over a month now? How is it, how is it going so far? It's, uh, it's really fresh and new still, obviously, because it's early days, but it's been really exciting so far. Um, not only getting to meet the rest of the council, because I hadn't actually met them all before, <laughs> um, but yeah, getting to sort of have a seat at the table and sit in and be part of these discussions about the island's sort of arts development and community. It's, it's really, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Because you're a visual artist yourself, had you you must have come across the Arts Council um, a lot through through your career and through school, maybe even. Um, so I'm a, I go to Litfest a lot every year, and I know that the Arts Council is one of the biggest sponsors of Litfest. Um, but other than that, I've actually been really sort of oblivious to a lot of the fantastic funding that the council have sort of given on the island. And I suppose the the easiest way to become aware of their work is through the bigger projects that they sponsor or support where the the flag is being flown for, for many, many people to see it. Yeah, it's it's really I suppose thrilling seeing how many different sort of areas of the arts the council help sponsor and develop on the island. And yeah, it all just was a little bit, it went a little bit over my head, I think. For years, I'd, I'd done everything by myself. It hadn't really occurred to me that I could go to someone else for funding or for help or advice or whatever. And I just sort of did it all alone. Um, but that doesn't mean you should and you don't have to. <laughs> Do you wish you had had that support? I'm not sure, if, looking back, if I would have absolutely gone for that from the start, but it definitely would have would have helped a lot. And um, I understand why... Well, the uh, the startup schemes for local businesses and the funding the council can offer is so popular. Why so many people apply for it? Because it can do wonders uh, for getting your business up off the ground. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Um, looking back, I was vaguely aware that these things were on offer. It just had. I suppose it hadn't occurred to me that I could or should go after them. Um, and I think we, this actually came up at a recent meeting that maybe it's not sort of broadcast as much in schools as it should be for students that think from a young age yes I want to go into a creative field um, it doesn't really come up unless they they want to do a course you know like a, a drama course or a music course an art course something like that and then they could maybe go to arts aid or to the arts council for some help um, it's whether or not they're being told that because I know when I was at school well, 10 years ago we we weren't told about this we knew about scholarships we knew about UCAS and what you needed to get to uni but if you wanted to do something creative like I did and I knew 10 years ago I wanted to do this I think I was just laughed at by teachers I think they were just it was that whole pick a pick a real career you know pick pick something that's going to make you money like that's the be all and end all and I, I knew back then that I wanted to be 
an artist and I wanted to work in a creative industry. And I don't think anyone ever mentioned that I could have applied for funding. Tell us a bit about the work that you do. You, you knew you wanted to be an artist from a young age. How did you get to where you are now? <laughs> I know it'll be a long story, but uh, fire away. I actually uh, sort of, it was an accident. <laughs> um, so yeah, right from like the age of four, if anyone ever asked me, what do you want to be when you're older? It was always an artist. Uh, sometimes it was an artist for Disney or sometimes it was a picture book illustrator, but I think it never really changed from always wanting to be an artist or some, something creative. And so um, during sixth form, art was my one of my higher subjects for the IB and I loved it and I, I was determined to go off and do art history. My teachers weren't very happy about this. <laughs> and I realised sort of midway through my first year in sixth form that I didn't want to do art history as much as I loved it I wanted to create art I wanted to actually be the one making the art so I ended up dropping out of school and enrolling at uh, university college where I did five years of different arts qualifications (laughs) because I loved it so much yeah I was there for five years until I got my degree and I think during my first year of college um, I started working freelance as an illustrator just sort of on the side because people would pay me and 10 years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily what I set out to do, uh, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way now. Yeah, and I, I, um, I love being my own boss and I love sort of choosing my own hours and getting to decide what I do every day. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot of bravery involved in that as well. Like You have to be a self-starter. You have to know what you're aiming for. You haven't got anyone else to chivvy you along. You have to make it happen. You have to be all singing, all dancing because you're, you're a one-man band. I don't know if it's um, bravery or stupidity. <laughs> maybe a bit of both. Maybe that's what you need. <laughs> what kind of work do you do? It's a bit of, a, of everything, really. Um, I My own art is um, sort of really flat, sort of pop art style. Um, I don't exhibit as much as I'd like to, but I do paint as and when I can. Um, but I, I, I sort of paint, it's like a more personal thing. I know that artists say that and it's so cliche, but it is. I don't paint thinking, oh yeah, how can I sell this and make money? My studio at home is just littered with finished paintings that I just haven't done anything with. So they're just there for me to enjoy. Um, my business side of it, which they are sort of connected, but different. Um, my business side is a brand based on my designs so um, products featuring my illustrations and designs that I sell to people all over the world so that's how I make a living and then on the side of that as well I do yeah I do accept commissions um, from clients both local and international because I think that's the the beauty of the internet nowadays it doesn't matter that I'm not in London or in some big city somewhere I can still work with a client in Texas or New York or Dublin or wherever um, because we have the internet so yeah it, it all sort of it's, it's sort of a <laughs> three in one I suppose it's um I'm a bit of a, a jack of all trades I guess I do a lot of different things within the remit of my design so I'll, I'll, I'll do a bit of copywriting I do a bit of social media sort of help for people that need it um there's there's not a lot I can't do <laughs> when it comes to this sort of thing and there's not a lot I wouldn't have a go at either if a client needed something specific for a design so um yeah it's a bit of everything um, I think less a jack of all trades and more of a, a, a multi-talented lady with many strings to her bow. Uh, don't do yourself down too much. But it sounds as though these are all uh, your experiences and your determination and your energy for trying new things and for learning and for of sort of being part of that creative world. It's clear to me why the Arts Council would see you as an asset. Um, what kind of work are you most excited about doing with the Arts Council? What do you, what do you want to see happen? 
I think the the main reason I applied in the first place and why I was so obviously over the moon when they did pick me, um, I'm the youngest member of the council at the moment. And I, I think I spoke a lot about it in my interview and since I've joined, um, it's it's so important to me sort of encouraging the arts in the island's young creatives, whether that starts at primary school or, or secondary school or, or college. Um, yeah, I, I I hope in my time on the council that I can help. I suppose the the yeah the island's youngest up and coming creatives um, get to where they need to be and get their work seen because we have such a wealth of talented artists on the island. Um, but the the exhibition spaces we do have. As, as talented as the artists are, a lot of the time it is sort of familiar names we see again, which they're all they're all fantastic. Um, but I suppose I'd like to help bring some some lesser known, younger names into the the spotlight if I can. So that's I know that's definitely on my agenda for next year. <laughs> so oh, well, this all sounds really exciting. Um, but how, how long is your term at the moment? <laughs> to begin with, it's just a year, sort of a probationary period. Um, and then, as far as I know, after that year, I can, I think, ask to to stay for four years if they if they want me to. If they haven't, if they haven't kicked me out, which I hope they haven't. You did the IB. How do you feel about people's impression that if you're doing something creative or artistic, it's simply because you can't do anything else? Mm, yeah, I I had that a lot when I picked art as one of my higher subjects. Um, which was a given to me because I mean I'd, I'd done it at GCSE and going into the IB it was obvious I was going to pick that as one of my hires. Uh, it did not go down very well <laughs> and I think during the end of my first year when you have to write your extended essay <laughs> they'd been doing the IB about seven years at this point and I was the first student to uh, write their extended essay on an art history subject. It had never been done before, it wasn't that it, it couldn't be done, it just no one had asked because everyone did I suppose really academic subjects so yeah um I kind of I suppose I felt then <laughs> as, as happy as I was uh, maybe um if I wanted to work in a creative job one day it might not be the right direction at the time to head in so yeah it sounds like it sounds like you worked hard to carve your own path um and also I think often on the Isle of Man, because um, because we're isolated, because we're smaller, um, and because opportunities are limited, um, unfortunately. However, however you see that, often people think that you have to go away somewhere else. You have to go and live or work or study somewhere that isn't the Isle of Man to get enough experience to be able to talk with real authority here on the island. You kind of proving things like that wrong. <laughs> I mean, you did all of your studying here on the Isle of Man, and and have you have you lived here? For yeah, yeah. Or? I was I was born here. I've lived here all my life, which is why it's always quite funny when um, if I'm doing craft fairs or exhibitions, and people are like, "Oh, when did you move here?" It's like, no, I've I've always been here. <laughs> you just might not have heard of me. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that uh, as proud as I am to be Manx, and as as proud as I am of the island, I mean, I tell everyone it's right there on my website, on all my social media. Uh, I don't actually create a lot of Manx artwork. Um, I think just when I sat down to sort of start releasing products, there were already so many great Manx-themed products out there. I thought, well, what can I... I can't really better them. So I sort of focused on other things. Um, so, yeah, it's it's weird when I sell my work to people all over the world. And I know there's people in, like, America and Australia and Europe and all these different places walking around with my designs on. And then people on the Isle of Man just have no idea. (laughs) 
that I exist or that I'm I'm sort of creating this work. So yeah, it's um hopefully there's a there's been a turning point for that though. I think this year with getting to paint one of the wallabies for hospice, um and sort of a few local commissions since then. It's nice, yeah. For once, I've had more commissions from local clients than international. So perhaps it's a it's a turning point now, and we'll do we'll see more Manx work from me. We've been talking a lot about your work. Please point us in the direction of your, your website. <laughs> uh, so my, well, I, obviously my main one is my shop. Um, so my shop is candydollclub.com. And uh, yeah, um, you can just order stuff on there. Uh, a lot of the time for Manx customers, I'm, I'm always happy to refund postage if they can just meet me somewhere to <laughs> to get that, which I do a lot. I have a lot of local, well, local customers that just randomly meet me in town or Ramsey to collect their parcel. But yeah, if you can save a couple of quid on postage, I'm always happy to do that for local customers. <laughs> How shifty does it look when you do that? <laughs> yeah, like I'm some sort of dealing them pins and patches and stickers. <laughs> Feeding your addiction to craft. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jade. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. When the head of the Centre for Alternative Technologies Carbon Zero Project, Paul Allen, visited the Isle of Man to give a talk a couple of months ago, I jumped at the chance to speak to him about the power of creativity in these difficult times. I suppose when when you use the words crisis and emergency, the arts aren't what immediately spring to mind. You think fight or flight, you think anything which isn't immediately essential to our survival is supposed to take mm. a back seat. And yet um, you're someone who's sort of recognised the power in the arts and culture which can be harnessed to take us forward. Yeah. I think over the past 40 years, we've seen enormous transitions in race, gender, class, LGBT, and a lot of those have been driven by arts. I mean, I remember in Liverpool when I was at college seeing the first gay kiss on Brookside, and it begins to bring in different perspectives, or Cathy Come Home that sort of made us think differently about homelessness in the 1960s, and arts are incredibly powerful for that because we have this concept that we are exploring called carbon lock-in because how we deliver warm homes or or food or transport or make the lights come on has co-evolved with fossil fuels for 150 years so we're institutionally financially economically legally but also culturally locked into thinking of fossil fuels as a good thing but in fact that's where the role of arts and culture comes to help us unpick our own blind spots and our own prejudices and see the world with new eyes I think. If we're to get people to understand we have to transform our relationship with buildings energy, transport, food then we need to be able to take people there to that world where we've actually risen to the climate challenge to show that there can actually be a warmer world with less fuel poverty, with healthier citizens who are doing more active travel, who are eating a better mix of diets, that we're solving a lot of other problems at the same time. But to take us there and show us what that might be like, that's where story can be very powerful. A song, a song can take us back to the days of the Industrial Revolution, of the days of the, the Middle Ages. So... The power of storytelling, I think, is really, really incredibly useful, particularly when we have to think very rapidly and very differently, and we have to be brave. Does that sort of play its part in um, making our minds more resilient, making them more flexible in how we think about problem-solving, essentially, I suppose? 
Yes, I think it does, and it also helps us unpack the barriers that have occurred in our brains that have been deliberately inserted by marketing, by advertising, of associating buying new things you don't need with status or associating a big, fast, revving petrol car with male virility and being attracted to women. Those sorts of things need to be unpicked because we didn't create them. The very, very clever madmen marketing people have instilled them in us because they want us to buy more stuff than we actually really need. So that's where arts and creativity can help us unpick that. And what's interesting at the moment is so many leading arts thinkers have come together under a banner called Culture Declares. I was invited down to the Roundhouse in London, which was packed with all sorts of famous arts faces, who were coming together to say, we, we recognise the climate emergency, Culture Declares. So it doesn't just mean we're going to fit LED lighting in our theatres, because we've probably done that already, but we're going to think, what are the values that we're exploring in our presentations, in our stories, in our operas, in our television shows, in our sculptures? and help us revitalise that, to encourage us to think differently. And I think that's a really exciting thing. And I wonder, are there any arts practitioners at all on the Isle of Man that have joined Culture Declares, who've gone, yeah, I get this, this is really important. We see our role as helping us not get a propaganda message over, but helping people just think differently and be brave and be prepared to drop some of their long-instilled values, which quietly they know are wrong, and their children are probably reminding them that they're wrong regularly. Mm. I suppose adapt, in a way, respond to our changing times. Um, how have you seen... Um how have you seen this work in action? I'm not aware of any companies or local businesses who've signed up to this on the Isle of Man, but um, mm-hmm. I believe you work in Wales. Have you? Have, how have you seen the effects um, develop? A few years back we had an emergence summit where all sorts of artists descended on CAT and they wanted to know what are the solutions so that they could there go away and write stories around the solutions. When we first launched the Zero Carbon Britain report... A BBC playwright, Sarah Woods, Afternoon Theatre, mainstream BBC, took the report and actually created the Williams family going through the transition to zero carbon. So you could hear from a nine-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, busy working parents and a grandparent, to bring that report to life as a story. And I think that's very, very important work. Mm-hmm. The challenge I think we face is that if you think... Every time we look 10, 15, 20 years ahead in plays, novels, television, films, when do we ever see the world that we need to create, where we've risen to the climate challenge? It doesn't mean it's a utopia where nobody ever says anything that's a bit dodgy or nobody ever gets a bit narked because somebody else is looking at the girlfriend or whatever. It's still the stories of human beings, like we see in soap operas, but with a backdrop of where we've actually done the transition we know we need to do. It's not there. There's a huge gap. If you look at the stories we tell about 10, 20, 30 years in the future... It's ecological collapse and dystopia with zombies coming through the ruins and you're all trying to help people escape to some farm where you might be safe. That dystopian, constant dystopian future narrative places in just in a position of fear. And when we're in a position of fear, we're much more easily manipulated than if we're strong people going, why can't we have that? What we saw on the play, why can't we have that? So I think we need to break through the barrier and start telling new stories. 
And how do we move forward in what could become a time of real austerity? I understand that much of um, Wales's cultural and arts projects, companies, um, local organisations, it's thriving on European money. When that stops, how do we how do we maintain that that energy and and find a way forward without it? I'm an optimist, and I would still say, if that stops, we might need to think differently. I don't think it's a definite yet, because I think there's still the chance that we might uh, think differently about it. But I think the whole concept of austerity is an artificially manufactured concept. We provided billions of pounds to bail out banks. We can provide billions of pounds through quantitative easing to fund the massive transformation of how we get our energy, food, diets and housing. And in that, there's an enormous potential for arts to tell story. And I think people value arts, but it may become, arts becomes a bit more like a a craft beer or a roastery coffee that's something that's tied specifically to your town it isn't necessarily big shows flying around the world in huge theatres it could become a little bit more gritty and a little bit more connected and I think that might be a good thing I mean I remember the rise of DIY culture in in the 1970s with, with the rise of punk rock where it was much more important to go to see a band that was from that town that was singing songs with lyrics about the life we were living today than seeing some sort of superstars singing about America and California and all that sort of thing, which just suddenly lost its meaning. DIY culture, coming together and assembling things ourselves, gives us a sense of, I think, collective connection. I've seen really powerful community arts projects we've had a few here on the Isle of Man but could that be the kind of thing that you're talking about where people who might not ordinarily consider themselves to be, to be creative who wouldn't normally engage in the arts is that something that could kind of form part of our of our way ahead yes definitely I think there's a thirst for that just as like when I was a younger man everybody would want to just drink the cheapest carling beer now people are interested in having something that's a bit more authentic we're looking for some sort of authenticity, be it the vegetables or the the beer or the coffee. We're looking for something that's a bit a bit realer, perhaps, than something that's just a, a mass-branded thing. So I think that offers, offers opportunity for arts as well, and rethinking what we mean by arts as well. Mm-hmm. How, how do you define the arts? I don't, I think. I just let the arts be what the arts are, but I mean, now we can make films in in a way that we couldn't ever make films easily before. We can record music in a way that we couldn't record music before. We have access to so much things that can uh, share our creativity. It's a really exciting time, but we just mustn't get lost in our heads dawdling around. We must look at the reality of where we are in the world and react to it. If any artists out there on the Isle of Man are conscious of the climate situation and want to join Culture Declares, then they should ring you up and come on and talk about what it is they're doing. Come on, let's hear from you. It's an invitation. Thank you very much. And if you are a creative who would like to know more about Culture Declares, you can find out more on their website, which is culturedeclares.org. And if you'd like to take part in the programme, maybe you have an event coming up, perhaps you've been working on a new piece of art, you can email me via studio at manxradio.com. 
That's all we have time for this evening, but join me again next Wednesday at 6 when we'll have more creative news from around the island and further afield. Have a lovely creative week. Slend you.